I've realized as I got later in my career, money is no longer my motivating factor, even, oh, I, I need a job to pay my rent. And so I really look for companies where I feel I'm having a larger positive impact on the world. Welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast, hosted by Andy Lapata, the show where Andy and his guests explore the many ways in which relationships impact business decisions, make leaders' jobs easier, and help you to progress your career. Hello and welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast. I'm Andy Laparta. Thank you very much for joining me. My guest this week has been Mark Hirschberg. Mark is the author of The Career Toolkit and gave us some fantastic insights into the importance and the power of strong professional relationships, both within your own organization and externally in our conversation on Monday, a very practical episode. If you haven't uh, picked that up, then, then I do recommend listening to that. As is usual, as I always state at the beginning of our Thursday podcast, we are going to focus today on Mark's professional relationships in his own career and how they've helped him with our normal uh, questions where we look at the the positives and where things went wrong and the books and the podcasts and so forth uh, that Mark would recommend. So Mark, thank you very much for joining us on the Connected Leadership Podcast once again. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Now, before we go into our opening question um, or our standard opening question, at the end of Monday's episode, I've made a promise and I want to, to deliver on that promise. So I introduced you on Monday as someone who works in cybersecurity, and I mentioned it a couple of times through our conversation, but I didn't actually explain what you do. And I promised that we would do that today. So can you tell us a little bit about what should we term your day job? My day job is as a CTO, and these days a fractional CTO. I've worked in a number of different industries. But because my graduate work at MIT was in cryptography, that's the mathematics of secret codes of how you hide information or discover information, I've been a CTO at a number of cybersecurity companies. And at one of them, the one that sounds really cool, is where we used to track down terrorists and cyber criminals on the dark web. So we've got a, a former anti-terrorist officer um, from the UK coming on the uh, the, the podcast in a, a couple of weeks' time, and so we, we've we've crossed the pond with both. You are a modern day Alan Turing, uh, I guess. I wish I was at his level, <laughs> maybe a mini Alan Turing, if um if I'm being lucky. But it must be it must have been a fascinating role, uh, and to to get involved with something like that, not just fascinating, but obviously the US has had uh, some very traumatic times relation to terrorism over the last 20 years it, it, it must mean a lot to you to serve your country in that way as well it very much did and while earlier in my career i used to work for companies that were ad tech media i've realized as i got later in my career money is no longer my motivating factor even oh i i need a job to pay my rent and so I really look for companies where I feel I'm having a larger positive impact on the world. And fortunately, cybersecurity gives me that opportunity. I think we're going to have to, to title your episodes, The Ballroom Sleuth. And <laughs> uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you'll have to listen to Monday's podcast. Um, so let's get into our professional relationships 
focus. And, and where we always start is by looking at the positive impact relations have had uh, on you over the course of your career. So what really stands out for you, Mark? I'm going to give a couple, a few general and a few specific. My first boss, John Christensen, was fantastic as a really good boss and helped me recognize that the people skills are a critical part of managing people. I worked for a number of CEOs who did some unethical things, and that really helped me understand ethics really do matter, and they are important in our jobs, in our careers, in our society. I've been lucky to be part of a couple groups, a couple private groups, and it's really interesting because as a kid, I was a nerd. I was socially ostracized from any groups. So I didn't like the ideas of private communities. But as an adult, certain private communities turned out to be some of the most valuable connections I've had because they are invite only. So we make sure everyone is qualified in some way for whatever that group is. And it creates a high degree of trust. And by the time this comes out, I'll probably have an, a posting on my blog on the Career Toolkit book website about why this is important. But I'm going to share probably the most single impactful relationship I've had and even most single impactful moment. On our other episode, I mentioned my friend, Olivia Fox Caban. One day after I had moved to New York, I went out to a social gathering. I was just having a bad day, so I wasn't really engaged in talking to people. The host saw that I was being a little antisocial. He walked me over to chat with a couple guys. So I was talking to them. Olivia, who had clearly met them earlier in that evening, came over and said, I'm taking off, just want to say how nice it was to meet you, shook the hand, said goodbye to both of them. Then she turned to me, shook my hand and said, I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to meet. My name is Olivia Fox Caban. Hopefully we can meet again in the future. When she shook my hand, she said, oh, you have a really good handshake. And then turned back to the second person and said, here, let me show you something. I was correcting his handshake. Now, this looked very forward, and she could see that look on my face. And she said, oh, no, don't worry. This is what I do for a living. I said, oh, well, that's very interesting. What exactly do you do? Because I've been teaching a class at MIT, and we've brought in some guest speakers sometimes, one of whom has taught, among other things, handshakes. She was a networking coach, and she would teach basic networking skills. And then instead of leaving, Olivia and I wound up having a 45-minute conversation where we instantly connected. It turned out Olivia had just moved to the United States from France, and she always says to people, I was her very first American friend. And we formed a wonderful friendship. Through her, I met a number of other people, including she got me invited to the Renaissance Weekend Conferences, through which I've met many more wonderful people. And so I always think back, that one handshake changed my life. And it's because instead of just walking out, she went back to say goodbye to people. And instead of just ignoring me as someone she hadn't met, she took that extra moment to introduce herself to me. So one single handshake had a massive impact on my life and developed a relationship between Olivia and I and ultimately many other relationships that came out from it. That, that, that's great. And and. One key takeaway from there is uh, that, well, actually, there's two. The, the first one is one, what Olivia did was to be unafraid, to be herself and to be forward. Uh, and particularly when you've just moved to a new country, I think it, it's very difficult to do that. 
Uh, and so she was uh, she was happy to do that, but she also picked up on your body language. So she engaged with you through that. The, 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 the other takeaway for me from that is that she didn't just ignore you because she hadn't met you before, uh, but she took the moment just to engage with you in, in that space. I'd like to take a step back, if I may, because uh, you touched very briefly on something that I've, I know is in the book, and it's um, something I wanted to talk about on, on, on Monday, but we didn't quite get around to. So I'm going to pick up that, that opportunity to do so now. And that's ethics. So you talked about learning the importance of ethics. Can you expand on that a little bit? And, and really, I think, where, where's the, how do you handle where ethics and relationships cross? In other words, you've got a strong relationship with someone, but you find that your ethics and theirs don't necessarily correlate. That's a very subtle and tricky issue. And I think it's important to recognize disagreements versus crossing boundaries. There are some people who just might look at a circumstance differently from you. If we go back to really the fundamentals of ethics, the schools of philosophy, there's different schools of philosophy, deontology, utilitarianism, values-based ethics. There's no one right or wrong. And we recognize we just might have different approaches it doesn't mean you're a bad person. You're just using a different evaluation metric. And that's potentially okay, unless your evaluation metric takes you to an area that crosses my line. One of my big regrets is among the multiple times I've seen sexual harassment, at one company, there was a vice president who sexually harassed a subordinate in a very black and white way. He didn't deny it. His response was, it wasn't my fault. She was sending me signals. Which, right, it's just, wow, there could not be a more idiotic response. And I thought, well, this is an open and shut case. He's not even denying it, and they're going to get rid of him. So I was waiting to see what happened over the next few months. Over the next few months, the woman wound up leaving the company. I hope she got a big settlement. He got a slap on the wrist. He lost certain privileges. And then even that only lasted a few months and they were all restored. And I was just shocked. And one of my regrets is that at the time I was younger, I thought, well, I don't want to leave a job shortly after taking it and I should just stay here. And the relationship between he and I was ruined evermore. I just could not respect him. And we unfortunately had to work closely together. So that didn't help the company, didn't help my own career because we got into some political fights. but. I really should have just walked away. And today I'm fortunate to be at a level in my career where I can. I can tell you, I'm just walking out. This is not comfortable for me. I couldn't back then. And I say in the book, I know not everyone's in a position where you can walk away, but it's important to understand what are the boundaries where either you will walk away, or if you can't, you can at least say, I am just drawing a line, I'm pulling up a wall. And even if you're going to cross that line, I will not let myself get pulled into it. And here's the thing about it. I draw an analogy between planning our ethics and fire drills. Now, we've all heard fire alarms. If you've never heard a fire alarm before, if you're in a building, all of a sudden this alarm goes off and someone says, it's a fire alarm, you might panic. You might run out the door. But thankfully, since we were little kids, we all did fire drills. And I said, here's the alarm, and we're all going to line up and walk slowly or walk 
quickly, but not shove. We're not going to use the elevators. We use the stairways. We've all been trained. And now I've been buildings where a fire alarm has gone off. And we've said, okay, panic moment, right? There is time pressure, but we're going to walk calmly and get out of the building. Ethic, ethical issues typically come during time pressure circumstances. You might be trying to hit some quarterly numbers. You might be trying to do a deal. Uh, and if you don't, there's some negative consequences. If you haven't practiced, if you haven't thought about it, it's easy to panic. It's easy to run. It's easy to cross that ethical line. But if you've had that practice, if you've done fire drills, if you thought through this, it's a lot easier to say, walk, don't run, and to say, here's a line I don't want to cross. Great stuff. Thank you very much for that, Mark. I, I, I usually go on to ask about relationships that haven't worked so well. I sort of feel you've answered that to a degree. Um, so let's move on to, to the final question, which is around the the resources that have either made an impact in your career or just simply have, have jumped out at you recently that you'd recommend. So books, podcasts, anything along those lines. What would you want to share with our listeners? I have a huge list that I actually put on the resources page of the Career Toolkit book website. I'm going to name just a few of my favorite ones. And I list on this, on the website, books I reference in my own. So you can go deeper if you want to get into that topic or just other books I might not have referenced, but I think are really helpful. I mentioned before on the other podcast, Survival of the Savvy, which is a fantastic book on corporate politics. I've mentioned on this podcast in the prior, Olivia Fox's The Charisma Myth. You can learn how to be charismatic, just like you can learn to play golf or do accounting you can learn to be charismatic. Peopleware, Productive Projects and Teams by Tom DeMarco and Timothy Lister is the best management book I have ever read. Nominally, it's about software management. There's not a line of code in the book. And the basic premise is that most technical projects fail. In fact, most projects fail, but not so much for technological reasons, not that we can't build the software, but for people reasons because we screwed up those relationships and communications. I'd add to that Never Eat Alone, which has probably been yeah. mentioned on your show before by Keith Absolutely, Rossi. Absolutely, yeah. A wonderful one. There are some great negotiating books, Bargaining for Advantage, Good for You, Great for Me, Gang to Yes. Talking 9 to 5 by Deborah Cannon is a wonderful book about communication in the workplace. I'll add a few other books I don't reference in mine, but that I think are really helpful. The Ropes to Skip and The Ropes to Know about corporate culture and reading between the lines. I would add, sorry for the pause. I'd add The Art of Community by Charles Vogel, which is about how we can create communities whether it is with our customers or within our organizations, I think it's really important to build that sense of community and that will help people be more engaged and be more effective. Recently, I read Range by David Epstein, how we really want to be more generalists rather than specialists, and we can gain an advantage by doing that. And then Your Brain at Work by David Rock, which is about how we tend to react emotionally to circumstances and how we can address that and adjust to not let the emotions take us down the wrong path. So those are just some of the many books I list on the resources page on my website. 
Fantastic. Well, I think even our most ardent readers will have a good couple of months' worth of work uh, with that list. So uh, that's that's brilliant. Mark, uh, I found both our conversations uh, very interesting, very engaging. Really appreciate your time. I think our conversation today on ethics uh, in particular was really important as well. Maybe something that I can look to focus on in a, in a future episode next year because it's not something we've addressed yet in the Connective Leadership Podcast in any detail. Um, but it, it, it's fundamental to, to strong relationships. So I appreciate you sharing, uh, and I hope that we stay in touch. And um, you've been a great guest. Thanks for having me on the show. So thank you again to Mark. Uh, I, I, I really believe there's so much to take away from the two conversations we had together and as I said to Mark at the end there that conversation about ethics um, really got my my brain moving in terms of have we really covered this enough uh, on the Connected Leadership Podcast so I guess that's some homework for me uh, to have a look at. Uh, I hope you found it enjoyable if you are enjoying the podcast a couple of things I would ask you Uh, number one is it would be great if you could rate review and share the podcast. I know I ask this so much, uh, but it does make a huge difference. Number two, I am looking at whether or not I continue with the Thursday episodes. As you're listening to a Thursday episode, it would be useful to hear from you. Is it just the Thursday one you listen to or do you listen to both? Uh, Would it impact you if... um, we just did the, the the single episode on the Monday. So you can email me at andy at lopata, L-O-P-A-T-A dot co dot UK. We are going to be uh, taking a break over Christmas. So I the, the first Monday of December, I don't have the date in front of me, more of Andy Lapata's great planning, but I can get to my phone very quickly and check. So the 6th of December will be the last uh, Connected Leadership podcast of 2021, and we'll be back in January. But we've still got some great episodes to come up for you between now and then. So don't run away just yet. It's too early for Christmas shopping, not before December the 20th. So stick with the Connected Leadership podcast until December the 6th, and then you can start thinking about Christmas, but not before. Not before, please. And I'll see you again next week on the Connected Leadership Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Connected Leadership Podcast. If you found this valuable, please subscribe, tell your colleagues and friends, share on social media, and post a review on the podcast channel you use to listen to it. And of course, join us again soon for another interesting interview and great Connected Leadership tips.